Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 325. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, horns up. And uh, obviously Connor's not here, which you could probably see, uh, or if you yeah. listen to the, the podcast, you could probably tell by the lack of, you know, shite attempt at humour at the start, you know, what he's like. Uh, but... <laughs> And a twist of fate, you're going to get him next week because he'll be here instead of Matt next week, so you're yep. getting a Connor episode. <laughs> Things are happening. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. I've got more to tell you about the next couple of weeks, uh, but I'll do that after I tell you what's coming up on this week's show. We're going to be talking about Detective Comics 1064, Action Comics 1047, DC vs. Vampires issue 9, Task Force Z issue 12, The Human Target issue 7, Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead issue 1, the Nice House in the Lake, issue 10, and I've got a Patreon book to talk about, which is American Vampire, issue 30. So that's what's coming up on the show. A nice, healthy dose of books uh, being discussed this week. Uh, yeah, but yeah, a couple of updates on the next few weeks. Uh, so next week, uh, Carter will be here instead of Matt. Uh, he does have some Patreon books to catch up on, so you're probably going to get a nice little hefty dose of those at the end of the show. So that's happening, um, and then the following week, I actually have the week off, uh, so I warned you about this before, but what we're going to be doing instead, uh, just so there's something going out that week, is a Q&A episode. So we're going to be recording that um, on Monday, not this coming Monday, but the following Monday. So starting when this episode goes out, you've got a week to send in questions so we can have a Q&A episode, and it'll be myself and Matt doing that episode uh, so if you would like to send questions to at DC Comics Podcast on Twitter, or if you prefer email, you can use mftvquestions at gmail.com. Um, both of those should be in the description. Uh, but send questions uh, to both of those uh, for before Monday the 10th of October. That is your deadline. Uh, and we will do a Q&A episode. So there's something going out uh, on the week off. Uh, the week after, any big books that were on that week will cover the following week. And then... Uh, the rest of the books, we'll just wait until the next issue and uh, talk about them then when it makes sense. So that's the plan. Yeah, yeah. So, so of course, the the week that you're you're gonna be off mm -hmm. is is a Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and <laughs> Gotham City Year One. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is that not next week? The Gotham City Year One. Oh wait, no, that's next week. No, yeah. two weeks. <laughs> oh well, I'm missing those. Shoot. Oh, <laughs> I didn't click enough. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Also, Scott that's... Skyder's new horror book's out next week. I'll need to tell Connor to read it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Frankie Villa one. Uh, Night of the Ghoul, I think it's called, mm. uh, from Dark Horse. So, uh, apply to cover that in the show next week, because I want to read it and talk about it. So, uh, that is cool. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so, send in your questions at DC Comics Podcast on Twitter or mftvquestions at gmail.com, and your deadline is before the 10th of October. Uh, and we'll give you a nice Q&A episode before Back to Normal the following week. So, uh, that is the plan! Um, apologies for any disruption this is causing your lives. I hand it over to Matt, I give him a pause, and he's like looking down at his phone, no. reading ice hockey results or something, I don't know what he's doing. No, actually I was talking to a friend, real quick, so, yeah. What? A friend? Yeah. Yes, a I friend. Didn't I didn't approve of this. Yes. Uh, it's one of my friends who wrestles in town, and last night he had a match, and he had a really creative finish, so I uh, gave him props, and then he just messaged me back, so, you know. Mm. I'm, I'm glad the rest of that story implied that he was actually a professional wrestler, and not just a guy who wrestles in town, which is what the start of it sounded like. <laughs> I, I didn't specify. <laughs> I just said he's a wrestler. 
He gets into fights in town, you know. Yeah. Smash bottle here. Yeah. A chin there. Yep. He's like Seamus. Oh, dear. So, yes. Barroom brawler. Welcome to episode 345. Shambles already. 325, not 345. I think me and Pete are both a little punchy today. So, I'm a bit tired. I, I, yeah, I'm just skipping over 20 episodes of, of numbering there. Uh, yeah, 325. So welcome to the show, and we will get into all the juicy stuff. Uh, but there's always time for a Comixology Top 10. And Matt, you're just lucky that uh, I won't be able to like screenshot what the Top 10 is the week I'm away, so I can do two Top 10s the week after. So... Because I wanted to. I wanted to get a double top 10 going. I, I'd have been so mad. <laughs> I know you would have been mad. I would have I, I walked off. <laughs> I'll deal with insults. I'm not dealing with two top 10. <laughs> somewhere my dividing line is. So yeah, yeah, as is usual now on the Comixology slash Kindle uh, chart, uh, they're separated by days. So we look at just DC on their own the Tuesday, then we'll have a glance at the Wednesday for the rest of the industry. Uh, so what do you think the number one book from DC on Comixology is right now from this week? Mm, seeing on what came out, I'm going to go Detective Comics 1064. Uh, you're very wrong, actually. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me get a second guess. Hold on, let me look. Let me look. Hmm. I actually I don't have a follow up guess because that was. Is it Human Target? Please. It's not. No. Um. Yeah, yeah you'll be surprised where Tech is actually. It's a little bit lower down than you probably think. Uh-huh. Uh, number one is Batman Beyond the White Knight. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that's selling well. Number two is the Human Target issue seven. Okay. So that's doing well. That's doing very well. Uh, number three is Action Comics 1047. Number four is DC vs. Vampires, issue nine. Number five is Tim Drake Robin, issue one, which mm-hmm. neither of us read, but uh, Connor's been forced to read it, so you should hear about that in the near future. <laughs> How many of those were him? <laughs> he's got multiple amazon accounts he's just like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna buy as many as i can uh number six is detective comics 1064 which is quite surprising i, I don't know if that's oh. like a bad sign or if it's just that some of the other books are overselling than yeah. expected but uh definitely not uh what i'd have expected text usually at least in the top five uh number seven is justice league versus legion of superheroes the final issue <laughs> that's right still a thing that's a book. Number eight is Superman the Space Age, issue two. So, for a $10 book, not too bad, I suppose. And then number nine is Sergeant Rock presents... Or, sorry, sorry, DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. That is, that is number nine. And then number ten is Batman Fortress, issue five. Uh, which means just missing out the top ten is Nice House in the Lake. And then number twelve is Task Force Z. So, uh... With the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country coming in at 13. So, uh, a lot of DC books this week. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, cool. Uh, Harley Quinn's quite low on the list. Oh, I don't know if that came out this week. Maybe that's just like a... No, no, because this is sorted by release date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did. So, I guess Harley's just not selling as much as he used to. DC Mech is down the gutter. That's at, like, number 20. Which, you know, it's below the Human Target Volume 1 trade. Right. So... Uh, not doing too hot, but not, not that I expected that book to have like mass appeal, but still, it's just interesting to know. 
Uh, I'm also noticing here as I scroll up to get the uh, Wednesday stuff that there's a Werewolf by Night uh, Masterworks Volume 1 out from Marvel. <laughs> that makes sense. Because they got the special coming out, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, but yeah, so Wednesday for the rest of the industry, which is probably mostly going to be Marvel, but there's a couple mm-hmm. other things in here. Um, number one is Axe Avengers Issue 1. I didn't see that on there. I saw X-Men. But, but yeah. the, number two is X-Men Issue 15. So not too far behind. Number three is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 100. Uh, it's a $10 book. Um, I guess that's a been dollar going... A dollar a page. Yeah, I guess that's been going long enough for... But it's not a dollar a page. That'd be $100. That's not what I meant. I thought you were going to let it go. <laughs> and, uh, yep. that's, that's a pricey comic. Yep. But yeah. Uh, 10 cents a page, if my maths is, uh, is, is adding up. Uh, so that's cool. I, I get, yeah, I feel like that has been going long enough to be issue 100, but at the same time, I think if I stop and actually process it, I'm like, ah, nah, it's been over five years. Mm-hmm. Maybe five, maybe even closer to 10. Oh, dang, there's a Shang-Chi book. I had no idea. Mm. I never usually scroll this far down. Oh, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing stuff that's reaching new depths of discovery. Yeah. yeah. I, I, didn't get a, I didn't get to go into the shop this week, so all my books I got digital. Oh, so right. Okay. Okay. I had, I had to see what else is, uh, what else came out? Where where, where was Thor at in that? Well, I've not finished. I've only done the first three. Oh, oh gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, number four is Amazing Spider-Man issue ten uh, okay. with a beautiful John Romita Jr. cover. <laughs> I've seen worse, but I've also seen better. <laughs> I've seen a lot of better. Yeah. Uh, number five is Thor issue twenty-seven. Is. So uh, that's your Thor book. Uh, number six is the Defenders uh, Beyond issue three, which is a five issue mini, so just mm-hmm. issue three of five. Uh, number seven is Thunderbolts issue two, also a five. Uh, number eight is Ant Man issue three of four. Uh, number nine is Old Dog issue one. This is the Declan Shelby uh, original, so that's sneak it at the top ten. And then number 10 is Miles Morales Spider-Man issue 42, which is still by Saladin Ahmed. That run's been going for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a good, like, I don't know, three to four year run now. So, very good. Uh, so, cool. Um, I'm just, I want to note here that Lazarus Risen is uh, number 12 here on the Wednesday chart. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I've loved what I've read of Lazarus. Uh, it's just one of those things where the inconsistent schedule just made me want to wait to well there's that yeah there's that and it went up to like a a a quarterly shipping Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a it's a pretty in-depth story to only do four times a year yeah so i'm just i'm waiting for these collections to come out before you pop back up and they are bigger you know issues Mm -hmm. these quarterly issues but yeah yeah, it's it's a lot it's it's hard to i think when you're dealing with these original characters you know i'm feeling a little bit when they saw us in the lake it's hard to remember Mm -hmm. all the characters when you're waiting months between the issues uh so no it's uh it's worth mentioning but uh yeah, so there you go. That is the uh the thing. Yeah, there's a Shang Chi book, although it's down at number was that yeah. sixteen. That's that's hitting that. So yeah. Uh, hey, uh, I'm delighted to report that Star Wars Doctor Aphra is down at like twenty one. Man, remember when people thought that she was showing up on the Mandalorian? I mean, I don't. Really <laughs> I'll I take your word for it. Hey, they got the girl that played Quake. I forget her name off the top of my head. Oh, Daisy Johnson. Oh no, that's that's yeah. that, that's the character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Oh my god. Oh, this is gonna kill Chloe. me. Chloe. Chloe. Bennett. There you go. Yeah. They, oh uh, my god. Yeah, I remember seeing a casting list, and and she never showed up. She's never been cast, and it was just one of those things that the internet jumped on, and then ran with. So mm. I always think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, nothing too uh, exciting. It's one of the things, though, now that we're do- maybe doing the odd non-DC book, I-, I specifically checked what's coming next week before mm-hmm. we started to see if there's anything. And then that's got Snyder yeah. books, the one that was kind of on the radar, is next week. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, n- nothing in that-, that chart that's making me go, oh, I wish we'd caught that. So Yeah, I'm-, I'm checking now, but my computer's being slow. So, that's fun. My computer's always been slow. You've got it a- is. You have a potato. No, this is this is my my laptop. It's fine, but oh, okay. uh, um, the Lee Comic Geeks page has been acting up lately, at least through my end. So hmm. um, sometimes I have to stop and reload. The only real issue is we do uh, solicits, and they the pictures don't all load. Um, that drives me a bit nuts. Yeah, because then uh, we have a game of uh, Peter describes the covers for Matt. Yep, yep. Who then gets jealous? So yep. Um, yeah, I'll just mention, since we brought up a Star Wars book there, uh, on our sci-fi podcast, The Atomic Cinema Experiment, that I do with Tara, uh, we just did the first Star Wars movie uh, this past week, so right. you can get the podcast, obviously via podcast apps, or you can get it on Mail Fuzz Movies, the uh, YouTube channel, uh, whatever suits your fancy. To, to be a, a dummy, I was going to say, you watched episode one? But I chose not to. Yeah, you know I'm going to watch them in order of release. Uh, this is yes, yeah. You mean the proper order? I, I yes. see people running that through. Like that's how one of my friends introduced the movie to his daughter, and I just I don't. It's the the, the Vader reveal. Just come on. Yeah, prequels are made as prequels because they're made right. with the idea that you've seen what they're prequeling. Like right, something being a like Terminator. What is not a prequel to Terminator Two? It's his predecessor, right. but it's not a prequel. <laughs> right, right. So, like, yeah, that was just one of those things where I was like, eh, you know. But, yeah, but, all right. Uh, I'll, I thought I'd just do a cheap plug since uh, there was something relevant uh, in there. Uh, also, it's October, so I should promote Screams After Midnight because yes, uh, it is the month of horror. Uh, the first Screams After Midnight uh, of the month, of which there should be about two a week for the month, uh was Hellraiser Judgment, which would have come out uh, yesterday when this goes out publicly. The 10th Hellraiser movie, the last one before the new one that's coming out in the next week or so. Uh, I encourage you to uh, <laughs> to not watch it, but watch the <laughs> review and have a, have, a, have a chuckle at what we tell you happened in it, because it's terrible. Uh, that's yeah. my advice. Hey, we're 13 days away from, from Halloween ending. Oh god, so... don't even remind me. Uh, but we got a bunch of things coming up this month on Screams After Midnight. Uh, we'll be looking at oh. Nope, finally. Uh, we'll be looking at the new Hellraiser. We'll be looking at the final Leprechaun movie, Leprechaun Returns, oh. uh, amongst other things. So make sure you have a look. Is, is it an Octoberthon this year? Yeah, it's, it's a bit more muted. You know, Tim having the kid. And plus me taking the week off really hampers our recording uh, gotcha. slots. But uh, we're doing more than usual, for sure. Yeah, that's so. good. That's good. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be tracking stuff down to watch, uh, you know. So hopefully some newer things. Yeah, you should, uh, cause you you enjoyed the first Hellraiser so much, Matt. You should watch uh, 
Yeah, I'm good. How is a two and three? It's not for me. And that's okay. <laughs> if you like it, no judgment. Um, it is not for like me. it. I love it. It's great. I'm I'm glad you like it. Uh, it wasn't what at all what I thought it was gonna be. I thought Pinhead it figures in a lot more. You thought it was gonna be a boring slasher villain just killing people like every other horror. Not, movie. No, not a slasher villain because I know there's the S and M vibes and stuff. But <laughs> I, I thought the puzzle box was more of this like like MacGuffin type thing that they're struggling over. And it's not that at all. It's definitely a different kind of horror movie. So um, what did I just watch this week? That was notable for Pete. Hmm. I had watched something for the first time. Notable for me. Yes. All right. Now my, my notes app is acting up. Was it an Neil Breen movie? I don't think so. <laughs> Trust me, you would know if it was a Neil Breen movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> I did not write it down, so that is great. Huh. This is great radio, it, Matt. This is it uh, is great radio. This is delightful stuff. What do we watch? I'm trying to think. I know. I told you I watched The Wolfman. We'll, we'll sit here for thirty minutes while Matt remembers what watch, I watched this we're, week. We're gonna watch Frankenstein. Yeah, it was something you would have been proud of because it was an older. <laughs> something I had to be proud of. Yeah. I can't remember now. So this is why I'm gonna watch Phantasm this year. Oh, you should watch Finally. Phantasm. Yeah, you absolutely should. Finally. And watch at least Phantasm Two as well. Both of them. Yeah, Phantasm Two is the aliens to Phantasm's alien. So there's more little silver balls, is what you're saying. I mean, not necessarily more, but just the the vibe of it definitely takes a turn into quadruple okay. barrel shotgun. Gotcha. <laughs> that's all i'll say okay yeah we, we've been watching a countdown of of you know greatest form moments and things so phantasms popped up a bunch of stuff that i've been meaning to watch over the years you know so. yeah i'll have to look at that list and see if i've seen everything on it mm -hmm. yeah it's through shutter so they're through four episodes now they're doing about 13 per but you know that's not going to go into 100 evenly so um, but yeah, there's been some good ones in there so far. Some a lot of older stuff that I'm I'm adding to the list that I want to watch. Uh, a lot of stuff. So like I'm talking about so far, Dawn of the Dead's the only one to have two moments pop up the, from the original. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure we'll see a lot more repeating coming up. So, but yeah, the the Friday the Thirteenth uh, moment that came up was the the fake out ending. In, in the rowboat. Um, okay. So, that was the, so far, that's been the first Friday the 13th representation. There's been no Michael Myers yet. Um, there's Freddy, the body bag scene in the school from Nightmare 1. So, but yeah. Uh, and Phantasm, it just kind of, they just kind of talked about the whole movie in and of itself. It wasn't just a folk, but they compared it to being in a fun house. Uh, and you have to, it's more of an experience than a watch. I was like, well, I better watch this now because I know both Pete and Tim talk highly of it. Oh, yeah. I find that was great. Yeah. Uh, so it's one that I have appreciated more as well as time's going on. Mm -hmm. um, also very unique, actually. It's, it's not unique in a way that I think will put you off like Hellraiser is, but it's unique yeah. in terms of it's not just mm -hmm. bad guy killing people. There's, there's more of a right. weird plot to right. it. So. Uh, have you ever seen the Sorority House Massacre? That, one, that one's on Shudder. 
I've it, seen a lot it, of movies that end with the word massacre. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I remember you told me I needed to watch Slumber Party Massacre too, which is yeah. going to happen. Slumber Party Massacre is definitely very good. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, well, it's a slasher. I don't know if it's good, right. good, but it's... it's, it's right. right. The second one's also very much worth, worth watching. I've seen The House and Sorority Row. I've seen... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say I may have. I'd have to check. I'd have to yeah. like go into the records and double check. Because, yeah. But I have Letterbox, like a civilized person, they can check what I've seen, unlike yeah. uh, Matt over here. Yeah, no. I keep a list on my phone, and when I can't find that list, uh, it makes me angry. So, you know. You realize you're living in, like, 1992 for no reason at all. Yeah, it's 1992, and I'm not old yet. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many technological wonders, Matt, in 2022 uh, I, I, that I uh, have to enjoy. Technology it's, scares me. I mean, to that age where I was just like, no, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's also Connor's starting to feel the dread because he's twenty eight and he's realizing that he's hitting thirty in two years. So, uh, uh thirty's fine. Thirty five is the one that wrecked me. <laughs> that, that's where I ended up having a full down meltdown. And I don't even think it was an, an age; it was just a, a rough point in in my life. And uh, yeah, thirty five hit me like a sack of bricks and then pushed me down the stairs. So, um, yeah, about thirty is when I started to develop really the anxiety issues so it's creeping up on him earlier you know the existential mm. dread but you know and it's a good thing that the dose for that isn't a needle because that would just you know he'd never get better although do you want do you want to hear a, a fun joke so yeah so his girlfriend got a kitten right which uh-huh. connor's not happy about for various uh-huh. reasons he's also partial allergic so they had to buy like an air purifier and other things but the best thing about all this is that he needs allergy medication, right? Uh, and I said, at no point did she, like, reconsider getting the cat because of all this stuff, uh-huh. and not once. <laughs> not once. But the best part of all this is that the regular, most common allergy medication that comes in pill form, uh-huh. um, he can't take because it's got lactose in it. So he has to pay, like, triple the price for a syrup that he can take instead <laughs> that isn't... Oh, I thought you said he was enough to get shots. No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, but he's having to pay, like... Because so, I think he said the pills were like, oh, you could get a month's worth for, like, 250 but this syrup's, like, £7 a week. <laughs> so he's... So that's actually like more than triple that I think about it. It's way more than triple, but... Yeah, uh, I mean, how bad is lactose? Because for the price, I, I think you could <clears> deal with the little... Eventually, your body would get used to it. Well, right? if I recall correctly, uh, about a year and a half ago at New Year's, he got drunk and ate some uh-huh. sour cream uh, Pringles Chips. and yeah. was up all night vomiting as a result. So, yeah. uh, and I can't imagine that sour cream Pringles have a high amount of lactose versus like actual dairy products. <laughs> so, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's the most Connor problem of all time. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> One day so, a dog just coated in milk is going to run after him. He'll never run faster in his whole life. Co- coated in milk with like a, some syringes just like taped yep. to his back. Just, just the, the just, ultimate Connor nightmare machine. And you just described, yeah. Yeah, his Pennywise. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just imagining Connor's like caught in uh, one of Jigsaw's traps. He's like, Connor, you want to play a game? You'll have to stick yourself with that needle. 
<laughs> which is filled with lactose. <laughs> oh my god. It's no, it's it, it's give yourself the shot or drink the cup of milk. <laughs> he would drink the milk. I think he would yeah. accept the vomit and overtaking the yeah. meal. Yeah. So. Oh, man. So funny. We shouldn't laugh at his misfortune, but it's Connor, so what are you going to do? <laughs> and the fact that Paige still got the cat knowing he was going to have to go through all this stuff is also the... Well, the- I think th- they thought that he might be over it beforehand mm-hmm. because he spent a week at like a, a pet shelter mm-hmm. for work experience or something. Okay. Several years so ago. Did she ship him over there? Yeah. Uh, and he was fine for that week, but the, the, obviously after having the cat for a couple of weeks, he's... Mm-hmm. The, the signs have shown, so. That's so funny. So he's got an air purifier that automatically turns on when it detects that there's too much fern there. Oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I should get one of those. My cat, not that I'm allergic, but my cat, she's long-haired. And so um, her dander gets everywhere. So if I go lay where she just was, you know, I get all, you know, stuffy. So I wonder if some, having something like that would be nice. I mean, I have three cats, so every so often I'll get like a, like a, well, it's basically like an indoor tumbleweed of like fluffing cat fur yeah. <laughs> just appearing on the floor somewhere. And yeah. I'll just see it roll past and I'll make, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to uh, sweep and vacuum so much when you got cats. Mm-hmm. They really amp up the, uh, the build up. My, my lab would, would shed a whole dog a week and we had tile. So I was constantly sweeping. Constantly vacuuming, just you know, and it's all year, and it's not like he had a shedding season. We're still finding hair from him, and he's been gone for almost three years. So that's pretty damning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll get to the comics then uh, for the week. So we'll start off with Detective Comics 1064 Ram V rating with Raphael Albuquerque on the art. Uh, obviously, the coming Prince. Mm-hmm. Azure, what was his name? I'll get it when I look at it in a second. Yeah, well, it's Orgum, right? It's the well, that's the yeah, the last certain name, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we have them coming. They're a big arrival, which is kind of what the issue is building up to. The, the ship's pulling into dock basically uh, at the end of the issue. Uh, but we actually start off the issue with Tal. It's like a flashback to Talia and Damien training, and Talia telling the story of this. Uh, this cat is this character from history slash mythology and uh how he was like devout to the gods and had to walk across the desert uh but had a demon tied to him and it's hard not to compare this you know the demon's tied to him and he's always wrestling the demon internally like to, to batman right and the idea well, it was of... every yeah every time the sun went down the demon and him would struggle yeah and and yeah he was the grim knight and he had done everything he could in the mortal world and so he'd set across to to earn the favor of the gods and one of the trickster gods, you know, put him on this impossible task of crossing this desert, uh, tied to this demon. And- yeah, and notably, it started off with like it was like a it was like his ex who yep. t- suggested to the gods to give him this task. So mm-hmm. I think it's almost like this ex is representing Talia. If, if we're saying mm-hmm. that this, you know, uh, uh, Farad guy uh, mm-hmm. is is representing Bruce or Batman, then mm-hmm. perhaps uh, she represents Talia. But uh, at the end of the story, like he, when he gets back, so much time has passed that his, the love of his life has has died of old age. So he curses the gods and wants the gods to end. So he stays there and waits. So there's this, there's now this like monument there, mm-hmm. and it kind of represents that the end of the gods is near, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So 
you know, I, I think thematically there's some interesting things that are introduced here with the idea of Batman going against this royal family and then being the last of this kind of type of nobility in line. Uh, not literally gods, but, mm-hmm. you know, for all intents and purposes in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fascinating. Well, and it's very RMB from what we've read in, like, Swamp Thing and oh, Catwoman. Sure, yeah. He likes to do these kind of fables. Uh, and I don't know if this is based off of anything, off of a story that he knows, you know, from history mm-hmm. or whatever. It felt very much so. Like, you know, this is the type of stuff that when I was in college and World Lit, we would have these little tiny... You know, like epics within an epic, and this what this felt like. So that was really cool. But uh, yeah, I was definitely getting the the similarities to Batman as she was telling the story, almost as if she was kind of tailoring the story to Damien to be about his dad. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's it's, it's interesting just the idea of these old ways persisting, and that this character represents. Uh, the the force that's trying to change them. Uh, it's kind of sets up thematically really nice, like what Batman's probably ultimately going to be doing in this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we cut to him at the doctor's, and the doctor's complaining that he's got so many broken bones. He's not really sure how he's even walking, never mind yeah. in fit shape that he, he is. <laughs> like, and a lot of this is fresh. Is what are you, have you been doing, sir? Yeah, it's it's yeah. a little because Batman, but it's also played for laughs for the most part. Yeah. So I can kind of roll with it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. You've got bones that have oh. not healed correctly. You've got all sorts yeah, of weird shit going on. Your hands alone, there's an x-ray of his hands, and they're all jacked up from just <laughs> years of punching criminals. Um, but it, he's not just at the doctors for himself. He's there to scare the bejesus out of one of the guys from the last issue. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know, when Bruce yeah. goes to uh, the doctors mm-hmm. to go speak to Gordon. Obviously, he's not yeah. interrogating Gordon in that case, but you know, similar right. vibe. He puts on the balaclava, he questions the guy, um... And it ends up leading him to this, you know, building where, where Talia ends up being. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting about this whole thing, though, is that mm-hmm. Batman, as he's fighting Talia, kind of realizes that sh- this is a distraction. It's, you know, she's staying in fighting when she knows she mm-hmm. can't win because he- she's keeping him from somewhere else. I kind of like the implication uh, that perhaps, like, you could read this as she's doing this because she wants this royal family to come to Gotham and mm-hmm. be unimpeded by Batman. But the, the feeling I got by the end, especially the way the last couple of pages play out, was that it was more like she was trying to keep him here because she didn't want him to go fight them because she didn't want them to lose. Like, she was, in, in her own weird way, she was trying to protect Batman. Yeah. No, that's how I read it, too. Yeah. Is that she she knew that he's not going to stop in this family. He knows nothing about them, right? Like, yeah. he has no intel yet. And they would just, they would, you know, wipe the floor with him. And so it was her own weird, you know, Talia way of keeping him safe. And, and, you know, I like that because we've, we've gotten so much on the Talia and Bruce as kind of co-parents that we forget that, you know, she still has affection for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. She runs a terrorist organization or whatever. It um, also, it sells how bad this family is. If Talia yeah. sees them as bad, if, Ta- if Talia yeah. is looking at them going, right. Oh no, I-, I want Bruce to be safe from them. Right. Uh, Cause you know, we cut to the, the docks and like Mayor Nicano and uh, Commissioner Montoya there. And I, you know, I like that all this continuity from the last run has been kept intact. Mm-hmm. Ram V doing a good job there. Uh, but you know, we see again, some of these villains on the boat, uh, you know, uh, Gail's the one who's been off doing something. Um, mm-hmm. Arzen's the sort of the main young prince that we're mm-hmm. kind of like following from the boat. Um, but they're basically like, Hey, the League of Shadows is here. The League of Assassins, I should say, are here. And we see them like popping up at the water. 
and gunfire is erupting, Montoya's here, and the big ending of the issue, and I really liked how this this issue ended, because I mean, this was definitely a quieter setup issue, mm-hmm. but I think the tease that I got at the end here where, um, you know, we, will, we won't react, we'll just let them make their play, we'll, we'll let this all play out, because then the final line is, we'll wait for Gotham to show its hand, and as he says that, we see Batman eff- effectively rising from the rubble of the, the building that landed yeah. on him, and grappling yeah, yeah. up. So it's this idea that what they're waiting on is for Batman to like make his first like move and appearance to them. Like that, that you know, they know he's here and they're coming, right. and they know that they have to deal with Batman if they're coming to Gotham. So uh, it, it was a kind of an epic build-up moment. It was like, oh, I'm excited now to see what this first confrontation is like between them and Batman. Yeah. So definitely. also, we we kind of skipped over the in the Doctor visit. Sure. Is it, he tells them out, outside of his physical stuff, there's nothing internally wrong with him. Mm. Um, and the doctor suggests, like, are you maybe having panic attacks? And uh, Bruce, uh, of course, is too proud. Yeah. He's like, panic attacks. Yeah. F that. No. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm a man. Uh, and as someone that goes through that occasionally, <laughs> initially, that is the, you know, at least for me, if there's any similarities between me and Bruce Wayne, it's that uh, we both were like, no, I can power through that. I think you're a lot closer to Bruce Wayne than you are Clark Kent, and I think that eats you up inside. <laughs> oh, it does. It's why, it's why my favorite character on Ted Lasso is clearly the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's Roy Kent, because he's a grumpy guy. Um, but yeah, no. Um, and I also feel like that plays into the Talia stories. Talia knows he's not 100% either. You know? So she can tell. Uh, and that's why she's kind of keeping him... Uh, away from this because mm. at his current state he is no match for this family also yeah i kind of love the idea of batman dealing with getting panic attacks and like him having to work through that so obviously because this is not over him him dismissing right. it in this scene is not the yeah. end that we're hearing of this like it's coming oh, no, back it's gonna pop up at the worst time and it's going to cost him an edge you know yeah um, he'll probably nearly and, die because of it he's probably going yeah. to be in a, he's going to need saved by someone well, <laughs> probably and, and this is why I appreciate Ram B because he does get into this type of stuff where it, him him not dealing with it is what's going to be his downfall. Yes. Right. And so it's the fact that he's going to have to listen to other people, and you know maybe take a step back if and I, let. You could compare this to the Farad uh, walking across the desert yeah. and thinking he can get through it. This is Batman saying, "Oh, I can just ignore this, and it'll, I can just push through. Right. I can brute force it, and it'll be fine." Right. And. and- no. And as we know with, with, with tech as it's been, is it's kind of the, the Bat family book. So I'm wondering if this is what's going to lead to him like taking a backseat and kind of being more of a general than um, a field general. I don't know. It feels like it's swapped, though. I feel like since since the new runs have started, it feels like the Bat mm-hmm. family are popping up more in Batman and tech's mm-hmm. been more just Batman-focused. True. So it may, it may just be the opposite now True. for a while. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Which is fine. Because I, really, I don't really care which one's which. As long yeah. as... You know, as long as I'm served by both, I'm quite happy. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and, and it's Ram V and Chips at RC, so either way we win. All right, we're, right? we're in good hands, yeah. Right, so, but yeah, no, I, I liked all that. And the art, the art here, it's still really keeping that gothic vibe um, with, with, you know, the story. I mean, I don't know if gothic you would describe that that story at the beginning, but once we start getting to, to Gotham and, like, the hospital, and there's a darkness to all the art, and I really, really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's been very consistent. Obviously, we've had Albuquerque in all the issues so mm-hmm. far of, of the arc, and hopefully that can stay consistent. Yep. 
Uh, Albuquerque, to be fair, from my memory, I feel like he is quite good at mm-hmm. keeping a monthly schedule. Uh, maybe he'll take like a, an issue off between arcs to yeah. get ahead. He's, he's but... good for six in a row, and then there's usually a break, and then he'll be back. Yeah. So, um, which, which is pretty standard <laughs> for comics, right? Is you know, mm-hmm. twenty five and six issue arcs. So. so uh no very good i i like i say i i think that last page the way you just see like, you know, there's the, the one panel of just the rubble and then the panel of the hand coming up with a grapple gun and then that big glorious panel of batman swooping up and like that being like oh shit he's coming he shouldn't and he's probably going to lose or learn that he's up against something serious mm-hmm. that he can't just win instantly um i i, I always enjoy a, a story where batman's a little bit in over his head and has to like be humbled and Re, you know readjust right. I, i'm usually into those stories so right uh very good stuff um i did not read the backup this month uh yeah. I, I had trouble remembering because i had trouble last time remembering the previous part of the backup and then this time i had trouble more so i was like you know what, i'll just leave it but uh yeah. it was a shame because danny's art is pretty cool and works yeah. for, for a gritty gotham story but yeah um yeah what, what are you rating detective comics 1064 uh, i'm gonna give this one an eight uh yeah i'll agree with that i think it's a solid eight out of ten mm-hmm. um it's a you know it's a, this a quieter setup issue but it's a very good quieter setup issue mm-hmm. which has some great themes and the ending did leave me excited for what's to come next so can't really ask for much more than that nope all right action comics 1047 philip k johnson rating with ricardo federici back on art which i thought i was surprised to see him because wait yeah. the, the, for the first issue the next arc i mean don't worry, i'm glad he's here because yeah his art lends like a, a weight to the story that uh-huh. you miss in more traditional comic art. Like, see when it went to the, I went to the backup, the whiplash I got going to this yes. really simple cartoony art style, and that's not a knock on the artist no. or anything. I just it's still good art, but can compared, it's like it's comparing Norman Rockwell to some you know to a cartoonist. They're both equally good, but they're so different that you do get whiplash. Yeah, it's it's like. It's like watching, you know, like a David Lynch movie and then immediately sticking on, like, an MCU movie. Like, yeah. you know, you go from this really artfully mm-hmm. unique thing and then you're like, oh, now it's, like, just bright colours well, and typical stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm so used to Federici doing, like, this dark, like, fantastical stuff. So to see him draw a robot and then just kind of, mm-hmm. like, typical, you know, Superman being human scenes, it's such a nice counter. To everything that we just saw in War World, you know, that it really sets this arc up differently. Yeah, and obviously the War World stuff has a, a big effect on this because a lot of it mm-hmm. just stems from the, the fallout of that. Yep. But uh, I think this issue is a knockout of the park. I, I I love this issue, and I think I'm so excited about seeing more of this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see how this balances because obviously this is crossing back and forth between this and Superman for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that means Federucci's not going to be doing the art and all of it because there's, there's just no mm-hmm. way. But right. we'll we'll see well, we'll see how it shapes up. I still wonder if we're going to get like maybe more of a focus on John and his issues, and it'll yeah. still feel kind of separate, even though they're technically part of one big story. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, yeah. The opening of the issue is you know a woman going to uh, Strikers Island to visit someone, and you know, we mm-hmm. see this robot. And you know, Metallo was probably my guess, but we didn't really. It wasn't really confirmed until later on in the issue who yeah. it was. The fact that she called him Johnny. And I was I was started running through my mind like so Johnny Johnny John Corbin uh, it's got to be Metallo but it's not like there's any like talk that it's Metallo she's just talking to her brother yeah yeah um, um and this this is so cool because he's only got one working arm he's just sitting there it's kind of sad uh, he's hooked up to a laptop where he can he can sort of put text up on to talk mm-hmm. to people and that's all he's really got but the way like 
I think Metallo was a far more interesting character after this issue than he was before it for me. At least I, I don't remember such a great Metallo story where I got this sense of sadness and sympathy because his sister does really care for him. Yep. And he, you know, he, he just kind of feels sad and it does feel like this tragedy that, that he's yeah. like this, even though he obviously did some bad things. Um, and yeah. that that's, uh, and I'll get to why a bit more so for the ending, but like... yeah. Lex, Lex runs it down all the bad things he's done. You're like, oh yeah, there's a reason he's in strikers. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's just really <clears throat> sad and, and somber. And I think it's, yeah, it's when she talks about being on the bus when they're kids mm. and him talking about the double sun when the moon's out, when it's a really clear day and he can still see the moon in the sky. And she's just talking to him like he's a human, right? And she's talking to her brother, not to this machine. And it, you know, it, it reminded me that Metallo still started life as a human, right? He's not Brainiac. He's not yeah, yeah. Any of these other Superman villains that it, are, are it's possible to based. sympathize with who he is, and I, I think right? that comes up a lot in the ending. So we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a bit. But um, you know, we we see this quick page of what looks like War World appearing in the sky, and then we skip ahead a week later. Uh, the backup actually goes into more detail about uh, the actual mm-hmm. sort of moment it comes, but um. Superman saves, uh, there's like an alien spaceship or whatever it is, uh, going down the, the road, mm-hmm. trashing a bunch of cars. And it's just a great scene of Superman, like, saving a bunch of people. In particular, a family who the, the car goes off the bridge and he grabs it. I will say there's a great panel here of him, like, holding up the car and flying up. It looks beautiful. The only mm-hmm. slight nitpick I have with it, because it is otherwise gorgeous, is mm-hmm. the way the trunks are drawn in this panel, they look like a thong. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like I don't know for, for some reason they're skinnier and they just look like you're, yeah you're saying Clark needs to adjust his undies yes you know? yes yeah uh, but all on that it looks beautiful uh, and uh, you know the way he talks to the kids after the land about keep because the, the kid offers his little flash like uh, yeah. stu- stuffed dog <laughs> yeah his flash dog and Superman's like no you know what he can stay with you he'll, he'll help keep you safe and it's, it's those little moments is why I love when Johnson writes Superman because he gets it right like um it's just a little interaction between kids after he's you know saved them from certain doom uh, and mm. then he superman just plays it off like yep no here this, this is for you guys yeah i uh you know and i, I think like i say i think what Federici's art does now that we're back on earth is that it, it makes a lot of these moments when we're not doing superman action uh, we're just doing drama with characters talking to each other it makes them feel a lot more grounded it makes it feel more yeah. come I'm reading the prestige book because yeah, we get this scene that the the UN where they've invited Superman and he, he brings John and Kara and the Steels uh, to to come and mm-hmm. uh, talk and basically Earth is a little concerned that this war world's just hanging out above uh, in orbit mm-hmm. and like you know this is a bunch of criminals this is a bunch of you know these war zones like can we trust them and Superman has to make this speech about how we have to be welcoming and he wants the same courtesy for them that he got. And, uh, you know, no, they won't be here for too long, but some of them have shown an interest in wanting to make Earth their home, and mm-hmm. uh, they should be given that up. And, you know, we get, like, panels of, like, different people around the world watching this speech, uh, mm-hmm. eventually leading to Lex watching it, which obviously leads us into, like, the other path of the episode, or the, the issue, is, I should say. Is this the first time we've had Johnson writing Lex? Because it's the first time I can remember. Cause... Do you know, I hadn't thought about it, but you may be right. Yeah. This might be the first time he's writing Lex. Because his Lex is spot on. Yeah. Just the pettiness in the voice and the way that he he sees this and then you know immediately sends his presence into like a uh, into one of his robotic suits, but it's just a drone 
for him to go check out Warworld on his own. And they're just like, man, this is very much a Lex thing. I'm glad we have Evil Lex back. Oh, know? sure, yeah. Uh, I, I love the whole uh, TV speech, though. Obviously, it's a good speech, the way he talks, yeah. but... Um, the, the what's funny is that the, the cutting around the people around the world watching in different of different places. Only a couple of panels, but it reminded me of all things. It reminded me of the opening of WrestleMania 17, in which they showed like all these families watching WrestleMania in like different places. But but it was really stupid because you could only get it via pay per view at the time, and it was people watching like little portable TVs in the desert. And I'm like, how's that getting pay per view? There's no way that's got pay per view. WrestleMania 17 or WrestleMania X7. I'm calling it 17. Piss off. I'm not calling it X7. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But that's what we made me think of. Except this is actually yeah. more suitable for the content because he's making a, a speech about, you yeah. know, like, wrestle, like, WWF like to think that they're this important, but this is actually, yeah. you know, in, in context of the universe, this is a very important speech that it should be inspiring everyone. Right. Uh, well, and it, it gave me vibes of the Donner movies too. Oh, sure. Right. Like you have that classic feeling of the world tuning in to listen to Superman because he's Superman, and you know, in in the current day where it's it's. You Although know, I think you'll find that uh, the actual scene with him at the UN making a speech is actually from Superman for the Quest for Peace. But you, that, you know what I mean. You know? <laughs> um, uh, no, no shade to that movie. I know we have a listener that's a big fan. Um, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, Talking Superman loves that movie. He does. I mean, I kind of love it as well, but I love it because it's stupid and dumb. Like, I love it because it's like, nuclear man. Not nuclear man. Nuclear man. (laughs) Nuclear, yeah. Anyway, um, but no, it's just the stuff with with his speech and then, you know, I just feel like over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of the mistrust of Superman stuff and I'm glad that Johnson's not going into that because even Bendis kind of treaded there a little bit with him giving up his identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's just like, no, Superman's making a speech and no one but Lex is really questioning him. Right. And it's like, well, you know, the- but even Lex, he's like, cause you know, I think it's a, I assume it's a, what mercy or whatever comes out in yeah. oh, mercy. What's his, what's his, what's his usual. Is it yeah, mercy? No, that's, that's mercy. Okay. I'm saying, I'm saying guess myself. Right? There's too many yeah. comic characters. right? Some of these smaller ones, like the, 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 I, I get second guessed on myself. Uh, but yeah, so she comes in and says, "Is this going to affect Project Blackout?" And he's like, "I don't know yet." So it's you know, so it's not even so much that he because obviously back in the early days he questioned Superman because he thought, "Oh, maybe he's not actually good for the world." Now it's more like he knows that's not true. He knows Superman is good for the world. It's just does he benefit my interest? Is he going to get in the way of what I've got planned? That that's the right. the current problem now. Which the, that's capitalist Lex in a nutshell. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what, what's he going to do to impact my bottom line? So obviously Lex is going to try and flip this around and hopefully convince the world that this is a bad idea. So he sends up one of his suits and sort of like. Mm-hmm remote controls it and we, we get a sort of representation that he's sort of digitally in the suit so he's yeah. still sort of looking around from it mm-hmm. uh but they, he goes to war world and looks at the war zones and looks down on them thinks it's a, a pit says the earth would be this way now if it wasn't for him <laughs> that's the that's, ego that's coming the in the line that's the line that was like yep johnson gets it johnson writes lex very well yeah he says he's got a mutual friend that's been keeping tabs on superman for him do we have an idea for that uh no it's gotta be it's gotta be either someone like someone that was on superman's team yeah like apollo midnight or manchester black you know um someone like that or it's a previously unknown character you know Mm, interesting uh, but he goes to help one of the, the, the dead uh, creatures and mm-hmm. says, oh, like, you know, 
So someone could do great things with this. So my suspicion is, is that he wants to like use like one of these monsters as a puppet to make make the Earth believe that Warworld's a threat and that yeah. everyone on it's dangerous too. Again, that idea for the battle of like public opinion, which is my, my favorite thing about Lex versus yeah. Superman. Uh, it's this thing that's in Birthright is that he tries to convince everyone that Superman's this you know alien terrorist. Yeah. It's all about Superman either intentionally or otherwise proving that that's not the case, that he's there yeah. to help and that he's a good person and so on. Yeah. So, and, it, and it lines up with the Superman for all seasons of two. It's like oh, everything sure, was yeah. going fine until Superman showed up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. in reality, everything was going fine with Superman until Lex tried to interfere and <laughs> mess exactly. things up. Exactly. Uh, so, and then the next part of the book uh, is Superman with Lois and them having this very beautiful page, might I add, of them flying in the sky. Uh, and it's like, you know, I think it's like sunset. And, you know, again, very moody. There's a lot of atmosphere that comes from Federici's art that I think just mm-hmm. adds a lot of weight to every scene that, that's in this book. Uh, there's just this kind of tone and, it, it, you know, it's the opposite of cartoony. It feels like there's emotion and weight to everything mm-hmm. that's in the art on top of the words as well as, you know. So, yeah, so they have this beautiful thing, but they're, they're talking about the two kids. So so Clark's brought back the two uh, Thelosian kids uh, from yep. our world. And it's like, hey, they need a place to stay. And at least Lois seems to be happy enough to keep them. And talks mm-hmm. about how they kind of missed a lot of John's childhood because he skipped that time. So... Yep. In a weird way, it's kind of like hitting a, a sweet spot that she was missing because every time John would go away, she'd kind of forget sometimes that he'd grown up already. Yep. Like, so. In her mind, when he's not there, he's still the little kid. And then he shows back up as a teenager. And it's like, it makes her feel sad, but not like super sad. Just kind of like, oh man, I, I missed out on my kid's life. Yeah, there's like a bitter element to it. So. Yeah, bitterness. Bear sweet, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if like how long this is going to last, or if they're going to keep these kids around as two adopted children. But I'm not yeah. against the the idea. Yeah, no, and I like it. Um, it also plays into Johnson's that whole House of L, where we had the future, right? It does. Uh, it also ties in just in general to like Superman. Obviously, is pro adoption because he was adopted himself. Right. So it makes sense that he would right. have some adopted children. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I liked mm-hmm. when when Johns and Donner wrote the last sun arc and we had chris kent show up and he was adopted because you know and clark brings up he's like yeah i you know mom pa took a chance on me it's only right that i take a chance on on this kid um and so i like that but yeah it made me think of the house of l and thinking like man how many kids did lois and clark have it's like well no dummy they clearly half of them are adopted right and then i started thinking about the different ones and you have the one that's like a war zone and then you know you have the, the ones that take you know um john's name and and the kent name and all this other stuff and it's just all about legacy not just like bloodline but just the legacy of superman and that i feel this is where that starts regardless of that future comes to pass or not it starts with clark yeah. taking these two in in metropolis yeah although presumably some of them will be john's kids and supergirl's kids yeah. they're annoying right. as well right. so you, you got the whole extended uh mm-hmm. shebang uh, final scene of the issue is probably my favorite, which is Lex going to uh, Strikers, goes into Metallo's cell, and I love that Metallo just types get out, get out, get out. Yep. Like, he doesn't want to work with Lex, he wants to be good. Yep. And it does make you feel bad, and I think what's interesting is that even though he's ultimately probably going to agree to do whatever this is, it's going to feel more like Metallo is being manipulated and mm-hmm. puppeted by Lex than he's just being evil on his own, which gives that a yep. chance that Superman could get through to him and maybe convince him to, to yeah. you know, do or not do something. 
but yeah, this video ends with Lex saying, hey, I've got this tech. Here's an orphan box from a thingy, you know? Um, you know, join me and fight these aliens again. So that's a great ending. It sells the villainous, the villainous nature of Lex that he's manipulating Metallo into this. And it both makes you excited for what's going to happen, but also sympathetic for Metallo. I, I think this was a, a great final scene. I was... The, the, the one that got me was when Lex is running down the stuff that he's done. And it's like, that's why you're here, but I know you're a good soldier. And and it's almost like Corvin's past all that. He's like, no, this has not worked out well for me. My brain is in a machine and I need a kryptonite heart to operate it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So the get out part and all of that is, is really what drove that scene home to me. That even he knows, like, I, Lex means trouble. Yeah. Because I feel like in previous... In previous iterations of Metallo, he would have been like, yeah, I want out of here any way necessary. But it's almost like he's like, no, I need to do my time. Um, so I, I like that a whole lot. Yeah, I also feel like him listing all those things, you know, assault, armed robbery, kidnapping, mm -hmm. terrorism, murder. I feel like that's just more manipulation. It's like, hey, here's all these things and all the reasons why you effectively have to do what I'm going to tell you to, because it's your only hope of ever getting out of here. It's your only hope of ever having any sense of freedom mm -hmm. or, or anything else. Yeah. So uh it, it makes lex be super villainous it makes metallo be the sympathetic villain who's being controlled um and he looks great here so uh yeah uh i think this is a phenomenal main story i was yeah. excited to talk about the backup but uh, i love the main hey. story yeah um uh, the backup uh obviously the art can't compare <laughs> i'll just no it's it's still good um like i don't mind it but comparing it to federici it's just, you know, it's apples to oranges. It feels a bit yeah. more old school. It's a bit simpler, flat colors, yeah. all that stuff. Whereas Federici has the, you know, the shaded, muted colors that everything feels very organic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this feels more like a Saturday morning cartoon, this last uh, yeah. <laughs> chunk. Uh, but it's basically uh, them waking up uh, Thalo, if I'm remembering the name right, and mm -hmm. Warworld appearing, them all getting ready to fight, thinking it's, you know, going to, they're going to war. And then it turns out, no, that's a Superman returning with the team. Uh, so everything's just okay, okay, um, and you know that's that's basically it. The only thing that it kind of teases uh, for this backup next time is that um, a couple of uh, Mongols loyalists are showing up yeah. on Earth wanting revenge for uh, Superman being in part and yeah. taking Mongol down. Led led by Chaitel, who was the guy that was missing limbs, mm. you know. Um, so yeah, so War World strikes back basically. And, you know, well, I'm sure we'll see the super family put them in their place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fine little story for the backup, yeah. uh, you know, to sort of flesh that out a little bit. Um, I will say having the same writer on the backup does make it feel more relevant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Even though it, it was hard to adjust to the art change yeah. <laughs> for this yeah. one. Well, and I like, too, that it kind of, he's playing with time in this, is that in the, the main story, this has already kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Like, they've come in because they talk about that that the Steels are starting up this new energy initiative in Metropolis using the energy that they've, you know, you know, uh, I forget the, the Genesis, right? Yeah. Genesis, Genesis energy. Yeah. So, um, and here it, it seems like they're, they're just getting that started. They're harnessing and, the power of Phil Collins. <laughs> and Peter Gabriel. Don't forget yes. him. Uh, yes. But, uh, but yeah, and I like the Thala stuff just because she's almost got this, not survivor's guilt, but like she, she's almost incredulous that this actually happened, that Superman was able to defeat Mongol, you know, because she was there to kind of 
she was kind of uh, Superman brings up that she wore, or Superman, one of the others, that you know she wore his symbol in defiance. Yeah, it was Superman because like, because she wakes yeah. up and says, uh, "You did this," and she's like, "No, you did this because you wore yeah. that symbol and kept that idea yeah. alive." Uh, and 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 I do like that. With that, of course, she's not automatically believing. Like she's from this this world where she was very badly mistreated. It's gonna take a lot more. So her her being skeptical of it, I thought was a nice character beat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I hope it's her that brings Channel in because I feel like she needs some, uh, not resolution, what's it, closure. Who's a win? Yeah, she needs the win. And I feel like she, you know, I feel like this is Kenny letting her take the lead after being sidelined throughout most of the world saga. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to give Action Comics 1047. I'm giving this a nine. I'm going to agree with you again. It is an eight out of ten. Uh,. Uh, and most of that's the, the main story, more than the backup. The backup's fine, but the main story's uh, excellent. So, yeah, uh, love it. Great. All right. DC versus Vampires, issue nine. James Tyron the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg writing with Otto Schmidt on the art. Uh, so we're getting near the ending of this now, and we have the mm-hmm. three different plans playing out, uh, and we sort of jump between them throughout the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh. So we kick off with Smallville, where the, uh, the the human farms are being run, that Green Arrow's coming in to try and stop, and Buana Beasts is one of the vampires. Uh, Oliver burns them all in the barn on the, on the Kent farm. <laughs> but, but I need a survivor, so go tell your king Queen was here. That was a baller line. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, also, leave it to Rosenberg to throw Grifter in here. I, you know, he couldn't help himself. Oh, that's later uh, on. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, later. I I appreciate that because I was like, this is this guy, that's got to be him, right? Yeah, he's wearing the red bandana. Um, so yeah, so we have Oliver's stuff, uh, which I'll sort of stick the Oliver stuff on its own first. Yeah. Uh, where yeah, he ends up like killing someone outside the fence, and Grifter's there and gives him some information. It turns out the leader of this camp is uh Hawkman. We find mm-hmm. out later on. Uh, and Oliver makes this big stand. We also get... I do like the introduction to him uh, during Grifter's mm-hmm. scene, though, because he's kind of, like, impersonating the tumbleweeds in the background, yeah. and then kind of comes out, and he's, like, wearing this big bushy, like, coat to try mm-hmm. and, you know, pretend to be foliage. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting, like, proper hunter Oliver Queen here. It's, uh, yeah, it's like a ghillie suit that people wear in, in the woods to yeah, yeah, hunt yeah. Bigfoot or whatever. So... Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, he's he's looking for the leader of this camp, which turns out to be Hawkman. So we get a big reveal of that towards the end of this. And, and the whole Hawkman Oliver Queen dynamic too. I love that. I love that they don't like each other. Mm. Um, so them being the opposite ends here is pretty good. Yeah, and then of course the stuff on the boat with a uh, Supergirl and uh, Steel and all that going to going to Australia mm-hmm. to try and help get Supergirl's powers back and get access mm-hmm. to the sun yeah. again. Yeah, with uh, Black Manta. Black Manta, although we get a big reveal this issue about who that actually is, because we yeah. just assumed it was Black Manta. Yeah. And when Aquaman shows up from the water, uh, Black Manta takes off the helmet, and it turns out it's Mira who is wearing the Black Manta suit. Black Mira. So I, I like that reveal. It wasn't just a shock factor thing. It was that you know all or Oliver, Arthur got you know got corrupted. She had to get out of there, and the one thing she could do is put on you know the enemy suit um and i you know i like to think that keeps her safe from vampire stuff um but that, that action sequence was pretty well done i think that's for me that was schmidt's high point um of the of the issue yeah um 
I think my, the high point for me was probably all the Oliver stuff because there was a lot of great mm. stuff where he was like firing arrows and it was, it was yeah. like one panel where he's standing with lots of arrows in the ground around him. Um, yeah. It just looks really good. I, maybe it's just because Otto Schmidt did the, the Green Arrow run with uh, Percy yeah. that I was just getting some, you know, some of the, the good yes, old times. That makes sense. Because uh, he kills like a big brute. I don't even know who this character is. I think he was yeah, a new guy. I don't remember. Lush Cannon, uh, who then calls Lush Change after he takes him out. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, it does look like uh, Jaina bites the dust. I mean, maybe we'll find out she's okay yeah. next issue, but it looks like Arthur makes her explode when she's uh, being a water yeah. bear. <laughs> so, so what that's what got me is that usually, like we've seen that she couldn't like she survived in water, right? Because that's, she can take the form, but there was blood in it this time. So I don't know if it's looking good for Jaina in her revenge. You know. Yeah, she may she may have bit the dust. Uh, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> no, I never get a bit of a fight sequence, but it does end in a bit of a cliffhanger though, because uh, Kara gets knocked out into the water and she seems to be like pulled down, uh, by a part of the boat she's tied to. Yeah. It. Uh, so that's her predicament. Uh, the Batgirl, Harley, Black Canary, and Frankenstein gang that are trying to get into Gotham and having no luck, they're basically nope. bickering at Harley for not knowing yep. any good ways in. And Damien shows up at the end and like, wait, but you're a vampire. It's like, yeah, I'm a vampire, but I'm also your only hope of killing Dick. So yeah, let's go. Um, so obviously we, the audience, we've been set up that Damien's still working for the good side, but yep. uh, obviously these characters, this is news to them. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a really fun issue. Uh, I think the Green Arrow stuff's probably the highlight. Uh, I think that's where the the best art is. I think it's where the the pacing is yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other plots are building up to some big stuff for the next couple of issues. Obviously, this all feels like that these last like four or five issues of the whole thing feel like yeah, these are all just going to be the continuous stories that are happening through all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I- I'm still having a fun time though, and I- I'm liking uh just some of these characters getting the spotlight is always that's one of the fun things about these books. The same thing with deceased where. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, some B and C list characters who don't normally yeah. get to be the central uh, central figures. Yeah. Uh, Green Arrow, I wouldn't put that far down the list, but Green Arrow's not had a book now in like three years, so yeah. he kind of is owed some time to be the center of attention. There's, yeah, there's that. There's there's Jaina, them elevating Jaina up mm-hmm. because of what happened to her brother. So I hope she's you know gonna be able to reform, but who knows at this Su- point? Yeah, Supergirl's getting to be important. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know. So it's uh it's good stuff. Um, mm. I had a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. How are we giving book? I mean, it's seven point five. Um, I'll call it my job. I'll say eight out of ten. I think it was a pretty solid uh, issue. So there you go. Uh, Task Force Z issue twelve. Matthew Rosenberg. There's that name again. Uh, with Eddie Barrows on the art. Uh, so I did not catch up. I yep. should have, but I forgot I didn't read the last issue, so it was too much work to catch up this week. Uh, when I say this week, I mean today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, go on, Matt. Tell us all about so, the uh, final so issue. So, where we left, left, last left off is there's a there's a guy wearing a Red Hood costume that's not Red Hood. Um, Connor. Bane was... Re- <laughs> What's that? Connor. Yeah. He's wearing so, Red Hood. There was there was a uh, the uh, Gotham the the guy, uh, Gotham girl's brother was masquerading as Bane, um, and uh, Bloom is is running roughshod, and everything comes to a head here, where, uh, where uh, Jason Todd has Bloom 
and he's just kind of throwing all the forces at him. And he's explaining that this is all what needed to happen, you know, for for Bloom to fully realize everyone's true potentials. And he goes, um, and Jason has him dead to rights. And then Bloom's like, isn't that right, Two-Face? And it would seem that Two-Face has been playing everybody the entire time. And so, what? right? And so... That's where Bloom's like, yeah, I'm not going to kill you. He is. And that's where you see the the voice stuff or like the, the word box switch to the Two-Face type font. But then Two-Face yells at Jason Todd. He goes, hey, kid, duck. And then he shoots Bloom in the face. And he was just like, yeah, I'm not going to let that guy take, you know, take, uh, ruin everything that I worked so hard for. This was my chance at a second chance. Or this is my shot at a second chance. I'm not letting anyone ruin this for me. And, uh, yeah, so the, the the team ends up, you know, going nuts, and it would seem that, that Bloom's defeated, and we don't, you know, probably haven't seen the last of him, but he gets taken out by Gotham because Gotham's pretty upset that he was used as a pawn in all of this. Um, and, you know, they all kind of gang up on him, and um, Jason's like, he goes to Two-Face, is that an all-act? He's like, well, not really, but, you know, at this point, Who's Two Face? Who's Harvey? I, I'm trying to to get right, uh, and I'll I'll do it by any means necessary, and uh, so it, it just it leaves it with a more hopeful Harvey, um, and he tells, you know, Jason, he's like, hey man, there's there's a guy up there in your suit. You have a free pass for the first time in a long time, so take it from me, don't let this pass you up, and uh, so Jason's gonna go off on his own and. Him and Harvey, before they leave, he asks him, he's like, you know, so is, is Powers International going to do any, like, serve any, uh, not serve any justice? What's the word I'm looking for? Are they going to be held accountable for any of this? And Harvey's like, I was a DA. I'll give you two guesses. And so, you know, Powers gets to keep their hands clean. They're going to pin this on Bloom and everything. Uh, they offer the rest of the Lazarus resident to Gotham so he can be resurrected. Gotham declines it and says that, no, I want to have, you know, my last moments be good with my sister. You know, I didn't deserve the second chance. Let's let it go to those that do need it. And it's kind of a bittersweet ending for him and, you know, from Gotham Girls in that backup. I forget what it was in. I think it was tech. I'm not, I can't quite remember. But, um, you know, Gotham Girls still all upset. But so now she actually gets to say goodbye to her brother. Um, Jason goes to leave and he's, he's hopping a train out. And Steph comes to see him, and he's like, uh, I hope you're not going to try to stop me. She's like, no, but I, I knew you survived. You're a bat. Like, we were so good. But, you know, I wanted to come in and say proper goodbyes. And she goes, I noticed you're going to West Texas. He goes, yeah, that's a good place. It's wide open spaces where, uh, you know, it's easy to get lost. She goes, I also happen to know that's where the Joker was last seen. And he kind of, you know, looks away, and they say their goodbyes. Um, it, it goes back to Two-Face and he's, you know, without Waller, without any of us, he takes the rest of the Lazarus resin and plugs it all into the rest of his team, except for Manbat, where he tells Manbat, you deserve, you know, this chance to rest. And it looks like Two-Face is going to lead this undead team to, you know, it's what's going to give him his fully second chance. 
and that's where the book ends. So it almost, it, it, you know, it's kind of one of those the end question marks. Feels like it's setting up a story for something else. Something else. So, and I do know that it's setting up the Jason stuff for that Joker book that's coming out. Um, and it feels like we're not done with Two Face and the Task Force Z. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, uh, it seems like Bloom maybe he'll pop back up, but you know, we see the 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 clones from Powers off on vacation in tropical islands at Nettle Bar watching the news as it uh, you know describes everything that's happened. And yeah, um, overall, you know, this issue is fine. It's it's everything wrapping up, you know, but just you know setting up Jason's next story. And then what's going on with Two Face? If there's another, you know, follow up or anything, I really like that. But you know, as a full, you know, twelve issue arc, it does kind of get messy here towards the end, where I still don't know exactly what mm. Bloom's Endgame was. I kind of felt uh, like, uh, you know, when I, mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why this fell down the priority ladder for mm-hmm. me as we were going on is because I think the entire last half of it started to feel like it was. Almost squeeze it into like like it was meant to be like yeah. a like a eight, at least an eighteen issue yeah. run, and it was being squeezed into twelve because some of the issues were just yep. flying through so many things. Yep, and that's here. We started to get a lot more characters popping back up, and you know this whole Lazarus resin and the whole Bane with uh, you know Gotham as Bane is a thing to control, you know Jason because he's gonna want to get his revenge and whatnot, and that was how he was able to keep him in line, you know. Um, Oh, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a fine series, you know, and the fact that I it's made me like Rosenberg so much, I am probably going to check out that Joker book, which goes against every fiber of my being. But if it's, you know, Jason hunting the Joker out in Texas, that's a story I, I am not upset about. <clears throat> hmm. So, but yeah, so uh, I'll give this issue a, a seven. Uh, and just for fun, uh, the whole, the whole series at this point it's about a seven and a half so you know if, if it sounds if if you're listening to this and you haven't read any of it i think you know if you can catch a cheap collection it's worth a read like it's pretty fun especially early on it's just one of those crazy yeah like, it was never a must read book it yeah. was just kind of a fun yeah. weird yeah. kind of kind of side thing yeah uh, so but yeah yeah all right uh there you go uh, all right, the Human Target issue seven. Tom King writing with Greg Smallwood on the R. Uh, we have been, well, you just literally just did it. We've been rubbing our hands together, uh, uh-huh. waiting for for this return. Uh, and this is the issue where uh, Chance is talking to Fire, um, and they're at like a like a jazz club or something, and she is flirting so much with him. You know, she's making all these little suggestions. Uh, she wants him to dance with her. Uh, you know, so much of it is this. And there's even some, like, criminals that show up at one point that she just kind of easily takes care of. I mean, that's the yep. implication anyway. So, uh, all good stuff. But he, she then says, you know, I, I like Ferris wheels. Can can you get me a Ferris wheel? So Christopher Chance pretends to be Lex Luthor or pretends to be working for Lex Luthor <laughs> and gets this Ferris wheel opened up. So they go up on the Ferris wheel and she keeps asking him things like, oh, do you want to kiss me? Uh, most people say yes. Uh, you know, things like that. What we actually find out later on, though, is that she's effectively testing him to see if mm-hmm. he's going to cheat on Ace. Uh, the idea that, you know, will so, he betray her best yeah. friend? So so playing with the tropes of this book about the murder mystery and whatnot, and Chance is the heart of detective, it had always felt that Fire was more of the femme fatale 
than ice. Although over the past six issues, we kind of feel like there's something going on with ice that's a little bit more shady. This, at least the first half of this issue, really leans into fire as the femme fatale. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know, the way that she's floating, the or floating, flirting, the seductiveness, just the constant, you know, keeping him on his toes. Um, and it's all the, also the way she's drawn. Like she has a smirk almost on every single page. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And then them, just them at the club and you only get kind of glimpses of her at first, you know, nothing's ever a full shot and she's, you know, never looking straight at the camera. She's always has something to hide. It's just, it's adding more and more to that femme fatale vibe. So then we get to the end, it's all an act because she's testing him for ice. And that was a nice touch. And not that ice has asked her. This is something that Fire's yeah. doing on her own independently. Yeah, it's it's the best friend test, right? Yeah. You, gotta, you, you gotta make sure... The best friend has to make sure the guy's legit. Yeah, and he tells a story in his narration about how he caught his dad crying a week before his death and mm-hmm. uh, how his dad would say everything's okay. Uh, but it was a lie, and of course, a week later, he was dead. And he, we hear this in the narration uh, just as he's jumping off the Ferris wheel to test to see if Fire will save him. Yeah. <laughs> so we get this great full page spread of this green flame chasing down after him as he's upside down, just falling for it. It's, it's, it's just a beautiful page. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're walking back, and then she's like, oh, but now, do you want to kiss me now? And it does this, uh, you know, the, the, the cut, you, know, you, you turn the page, uh, and this is after she slapped him a bunch of times because uh, he keeps accusing her of being the murderer. You had the motive, uh-huh. you had the weapon, and she keeps slapping him. And then smiles when she's wearing nothing. Because I think the implication is that when she burned into a flame to go catch him, it burned mm-hmm. all her clothes. So yep. she's she's butt-ass naked except she's wearing his jacket. Yep. Um, so you get this big full-page spread where the jacket is just slightly opening. So you're just getting a little bit of the, the body in between. Mm-hmm. And she's got this smile and she's saying, do you want to kiss me now? And you get this page turn where he's getting up in bed. He mentions her being next to him. And then there's this sort of relief as the reader as it's Ice that wakes up in the bed next to him and it's like, oh, he didn't, he didn't mess up. <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't uh, f- fall for the bait, as it were. Um, uh, and, we, you know, he, he tells us in the narration that Ice came over late last night and they didn't even really say anything. He just felt the chill in the room and then, uh, you know, they got intimate. And then they get intimate again in the shower uh, in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that as well. Um uh, which I particularly like this idea of all the steam. Uh, well, obviously, the steam, in the, the steam in the shower anyway, but the idea that she's making it, ice and the, the water's... It's extra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, really foggy. Uh, but uh, all, all just beautiful concepts. Uh, and then they go to see Fire, and Fire does what he tell Chance, whatever. But she tell, tells Ice that, oh, he's, he's good. He didn't fall for the bait. Um, he's a good one. But... It's all building up, and I love the way the final page, or final couple of pages plays this, mm-hmm. um, where she's like, yeah, I did take the money, I did help so-and-so, you know, I did help Booster and all that mm-hmm. stuff, um, but she's worried about telling him because, oh, you're going to kill him, and he's like, no, yeah. like, it's fine, Like I'm investigating this. Uh, so you get this thing where the narration is just in the top corner of each panel on the last page, as she's building up to saying who it is, um, you know, uh, he says, um, you know, seven days ago I was murdered, six days ago I met Ace, three days ago we kissed, yesterday we killed a superhero, and then the final panel, <laughs> Fire, at least implicates, we don't know for sure, yep. but implicates that Guy is the one who did it, and it's yep. like, oh shit, he's already murdered him. <laughs> yep. Oh, and Ice, right? And, like, oh yeah, both of them together. Yeah. 
Yeah, they mentioned that as well, that Ice, like, cleaned the, the crime scene with her powers to, like, yep. absolute zero, as she said. Yeah, she cleaned the crime scene, and then no one has asked about Guy, which I was, you know... This version of Guy, I, I get. You know, it's not a slight, because uh, this one was a bit of an a-hole. So... This um, one? But, you know, in the, the main continuity, he's a lovable a-hole. You know, here he was an abusive prick, um, but, like, no, like... No one in the Justice League is asked about him or anything. They seem to be in the clear. So the fact that we just seem to get a confirmation from Fire that Guy is responsible for this makes me wonder where the last half of this is going. Assuming that's right, but I do love how the art on the last page, like, the last three mm-hmm. panels are close-ups of their eyes, and, like, mm-hmm. Ace is assuring her, we won't kill whoever this is. I mean, come on, we're good guys, we don't kill mm-hmm. anyone. And then mm-hmm. the next panel, we killed the superhero yesterday. And then the last panel, oh yeah, guy's the one, and they've already killed him. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this weird. There's just a, there's a really cool flow to it as the, the subject mm-hmm. is brought up. It's kind of dismissed, and then it's like, oh no, not only will you kill him, you already have. There's just there's a great curve to the mm-hmm. information being revealed in this last page that I really like. Yep. The way it goes through your mind. Um, and yeah. you can sort of tell it's building up to guy the way she describes him. It's like, oh, you know, he's crazy, yeah. but he's sweet, and he tries to, you know. Um. So, and obviously, guy wasn't trying to kill Chance. He was trying to kill Luther. Uh, as as you know, we've been tearing throughout the whole right whole, because whole series. because of he was responsible for the death of Ice. Yeah, and yeah, which really yes, which I'm still wondering how this plays on the Chance because I still think that this is the human target, you know, of this. You know, oh yeah, I still think there's going to be a swerve in the last issue that this is all a human target ploy. Yep. <laughs> to catch who to something is and it wouldn't even surprise me if guy ends up and in on it and his death was faked uh-huh. it would not shock me one no. bit nope um and it makes me wonder if this is all ice right because we the the title of the song that's being sung in the jazz jazz club is there's a little bit of that in every good little girl and mm. it's a song it's a jazz standard from 1916 so like it's a hundred year old song um and if you're as you're reading along, it, all it did is made me think of of ice, because it you know there's a line that says I know a preacher's daughter who never orders water, you know meaning that she only orders the bad you know, um, and so yeah it's just it's the lyrics in there are just kind of pointing like maybe it wants you to think that it's about fire right but by the end of it, it's to me at least it's clearly the song's about ice. Yeah, I also so. like. I also think it's maybe too obvious that it's ice, and I also mm-hmm. think that maybe you know, there's a line that he has here. I, you know, I'm the human target. I win by dying. Mm-hmm. He says that to fire at one right. point in this issue, and I'm like, yeah. So this poison's all part of the plan. <laughs> like, right. This, this right. is all. This is what we're building to. Well, and I love how she gets upset that she's like, you're gonna take a risk. You're you're gonna risk your life on on if I was gonna save you or not. And that's where he says, I'm the human target. I win by dying. Uh, and then she gets real upset, and that's where one of the slaps come from. But yeah, um, God, man, the Smallwood art throughout here, the way that he plays with the shadows, mm-hmm. again, like when they're walking through the city, and it's like they're going past lights, just the way that sometimes they're they're in darkness, sometimes they're in light, and the way that plays the colors, it's just man, it's perfect. And then they get to the they get to the <laughs> Ferris wheel, and it's just like sun wash because it feels like the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. you know oh man it's just so good yeah it's gorgeous uh joe it, it says something to the quality of the last like three issues that i think this is on the lower end of this book's quality mm-hmm. 
I'm still going to give it a very high rating. It's still extremely yeah. good. But those yeah. last, like, three issues we had before the break were yeah. all, like, 9.5 and 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. kind of levels. This is a 9 out of 10. It is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not the, the peak of the book uh, as no, we've had but it so and, far. No, and after having a break, and this, this feels like a nice re-entry. Yeah. Like, it's not just, like, a big... It's not a big, huge one out of the gate. And I and think that... There's also the reminding us, and let's not forget that that uh, yeah. one shot was, yeah. um, it was Ace who was going to talk to all these different people about yeah. Human Target. Uh, so right. you know, maybe that's also a hint that she was... Uh... She's feeling him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah um... As much as he's feeling her out. Because she went to talk to Guy, right? It was Guy, Fire, and who was the third one? There's three stories. Uh, booster. booster. Oh, I want to say Booster, booster. Yeah. That's right. That booster story was so funny. Uh, um, guy just wanted to die. The booster <laughs> wouldn't let him. Uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, man, that last page, like you were talking about with the eyes, just going back and forth. It's so cinematic. Yeah, you know, yep. I I can see it as it plays out. And same with that Ferris wheel scene where you follow the the word balloons up as it's going, right? As it's reaching to its height, and you're following the conversation there. It's another cinematic, man. Smallwood's so good. Yeah. Uh, worth worth the wait, for sure. Yeah, it just it adds so much gravitas to all these moments. And the dialogue's very good, because Tom mm-hmm. King's knocking it out of the park with this. Yep. Uh, but the art just sort of elevates it so much. And um, in kind of the same way that I was saying Federici's art was elevating Action Comics mm-hmm. this week, I think this, you know, is throughout, and this is, you know, the great thing about these 12-issue books is that they're going out of their way to make them these consistent pieces where it's the same artist mm-hmm. the whole time. So it feels, it truly feels like both of their, their, their baby you know, in that sense, as opposed to an ongoing book where, okay, yeah, an artist will be on like four issues in a row and then they'll swap yeah. out and so on and so on. So, um, yeah, it's great. So, uh, I already said nine out of 10. What are you rating that? <laughs> nine out of 10. I agree. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. Excellent stuff. All right, cool. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, issue one, Chris Campbell writing with Eduardo Rizzo on the art. Uh, so obviously there was a morbid curiosity of like, what is Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell right like as a comic book writer? And the weird thing is, is that it's not like I'm going to recognize any Bruce Campbellness in it because he's writing a comic book. It's just, he's right. not writing himself. No, uh, did you read Sergeant Rock as Bruce Campbell though? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I tried and it just didn't work. No, I, I don't think he is. I get the sense that he's probably a fan of this character and that's why mm-hmm. he's he's here for this. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to the Gary Frank cover. He's not the interior artist, yeah. but it was nice to see you all the same. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and Eduardo Riso, not not a, you know, not a slouch of an oh, artist. Oh, no, no, no. It uh, fits right. this uh, kind of moody time period, which is obviously yep. World War II. Uh, Nazis are making zombies. Uh, Hitler's upset that they're losing some of their fronts and kills one of his generals. Yeah, uh, yeah well, because it looks like Hitler's already been zombified. Yeah, he, which, cuts, he, which, cut, he cuts off the head of this guy and makes yeah. his doctor go and, you know, like, make sure you go and see if this, this happens kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which, which, if you know that if he's been zombified and you know how Hitler meets his end, it, it all fits in with history. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and we get introduced to Sergeant Rock. Uh, we also get introduced to a couple of uh, privates who end up dying because they see some Nazis coming and they shoot mm-hmm. them. But of course, they're zombies, so they keep getting back up uh, mm-hmm. and they die. And this is how the Allies find out that there's possibly Nazi zombie stuff. So uh, there's a great little character beat here where Sergeant Rock is telling his platoon to stop complaining that they're on traffic duty because they're just helping a convoy, you know, get to, you know, mm-hmm. through, you know, war country, basically. Right. And 
their complacency. No, no, no th this is like a, a victory march. This is like these supplies are important to win the war. But as soon as he gets the letter saying that they've got a level nine like priority assignment they have to go to now, he's mm -hmm. like, oh, beast traffic duty. He uses the same term that they used that he was giving them shit for. So it just yep. shows you that oh no, now we've got something more important to do. This is shit. Let's go. Let's go and do our duty. Is the is the main thing. Uh, so yeah, this is a very much it's all set up this issue because yeah, we get the uh, the basically the debriefing where they go and get shown that zombies exist and Sergeant Rock thinks it's weird. Uh, they're confused. They're like, oh shit, this could be a big deal if this happens. So they're planning and saying, okay, this is what we have to do. We think this is where they're making the zombies based on like the trucks that are going there, based on like the traffic. This is where we think their zombie making base is. We have to stop this. So they get a bunch of like new tech, which is obviously all old school to us, but they're you know impressed with walkie talkies, which they don't even they call it. Uh, what do they call it again? Uh, talkie hand, handy talkies they call them handy talkies yeah yeah and then they're given night vision goggles and thermal vision scopes and they're like whoa mm -hmm. we can see them through the wall because of the heat <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like a, a fish out of water style kind of bit of humor for a few pages but uh you know it's entertaining and stuff uh but the nazi zombie they've got held in a cage actually breaks out and they have to like fight it there's a big kerfuffle uh they are here's quite fun you know the zombie face is very sort of cartoony zombie mm -hmm. makes you think of um you know just the return of the living dead or just some of the better zombie designs in movies and fighting all the soldiers eventually like they just mow it down with lots and lots of bullets uh and eventually pop the head which they, they don't seem to have figured out that the headshot's what they need yet but no but I, I, they'll get there because uh campbell and riso are really leaning in on that mm. right but it, it's going to be a discovery that these military guys have to make on their own yeah it's not something they'll just know uh and then the end of the issue is that the nazis wake up uh, a new super zombie uh that can talk because uh, yep. the zombie gets up and says ich liebe vida whatever mm -hmm. that means <laughs> let, uh, me, let me pull that up that's because that is i am maybe it's i am alive no isn't liebe uh, love Mm, I'm not sure. Because Eek Heiser is my name is. Uh, so maybe, maybe it is I have. Or I, I am. am. Yeah. Because I remember the famous uh, Kennedy. Yeah. So where he says we're all Berliners. What's W I E D E R? Weeder. What's that? I'm, I'm pulling this whole phrase up. Translate. Yeah. Come on. Google Translate. Come on. Is, is it? Not wielder autocorrected on me. You have all correcting your laptop? That's weird. Yeah. Well, when I say that, I mean my, my hand okay. did it. All right. It is not translating in English. Should <laughs> start translating? Why do I let you do this? I, it'd be it, five times faster if I did it. I know. It's I live again. So oh, like, I am okay. alive. Yeah. All right. I live again. Okay. Uh, so yeah, whoever this dude is, uh, I also, I'm always a fan of of in comics and pulp stuff in movies, the Nazis playing with the occult, you know. Um, sure. Yeah. So so them doing zombies, little disappointed it wasn't like it's actual like science zombies and the way that they describe it is you know they're they're using this chemical and this electrical current and it's bringing them. You know, I was kind of hoping for some more magicy 
kind of stuff. I know. So I think I think I was always expecting some mad science. I, I, as far as yeah. the writing goes from Campbell, I mean, it reads quite well. It doesn't feel overly wordy or yeah, it's it's fine. Like it's nothing. Yeah, um, I read through it real quick. Yeah, like like I had this for last. I let Pete know I had a couple things to do. I wouldn't. And I was, you know. I, I wouldn't have ever thought this was like a first timer's attempt at writing a comic. It's, yeah. You know, it was written perfectly, perfectly yes. well. Has he written, 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 uh, written TV shows or movies? I don't know. I don't know if he's got any writing credits. He's probably got a few, maybe. But uh, you know, obviously, he's an actor. That's what, yeah. What you think of him first? Yeah, but I mean, he's he's been around. Like he's friends with people in, in Hollywood, so I'm sure, you know, through osmosis. Yeah. I'm sure he's learned from from the Raimis, you know. Uh, who else has he worked with a lot? Um, a lot? I don't know if he's worked with anyone else a lot, but he's yeah, he's done a lot of a lot of TV stuff. Yeah, no writing. He's acting, occasionally directing. He he writes. Yeah, his it's mostly like essays and stuff, but still. Okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's not not bad. Like I was expecting, not not cringe or anything, but. I was expecting it to be more like uh, rough around the edges, and it just it was a solid, you know, World War Two zombie book. Yeah, yeah. You know? If you like the Overlord movie, for example, you might yeah. get into what this is doing. I would mm-hmm. say, you know, uh, so yeah, decent time. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of vampires and zombies this week because I've got American Vampire later as well, and we've already done a yeah. vampire book already. So. I use that task for Z, which is kind of zombies as well. Zombies, so, yep, yeah. Yeah, so yep. very zombie, zombie and vampire. Hey, for October one, week. that's not bad, you know. That's true. I mean, this is September's last week of books, but technically, yeah, uh, we're, this will go out in October. So, uh, but yeah. All right. So, uh, we given Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. I'll give this a solid seven point five. I mean, it, it's not like it's readable. I'm gonna check in for the second issue, mm-hmm. you know. But it didn't like knock my socks off. I thought it was very easy to read. Uh, I'd mm. probably give it a nice happy seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Rizzo's art fits the time period, fits the, the horror it's going for. It's, it just has a bit of pulp to it, which is nice. Uh, so, good. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. The Nice House in the Lake, issue 10. James Tynan the fourth with Alvarez Martinez Bueno. So, yeah, it's been a little while since the last issue. Uh, so it took me a little minute to settle in and sort of realize where we were with everyone. Uh, this issue largely revolves around a lot of the characters testing their injury, uh, like sort of immunity, mm-hmm. where they heal right away. So they start shooting each other uh, and stuff like that. And then the other side of the, the whole thing um, is the introduction and flashback to the second artist, uh, who's kind of now this weird obsolete character because now Reggie's back in the main house. Mm-hmm. But uh, we spend a lot of time uh, with... Uh, Walter and sort of his control panel of where he controls uh-huh. everything and how he's like sort of asking for advice from uh, I can't remember the character's name off the top of my head. From Nora. Uh, from Nora, yeah. Nora's, a, Nora's in there sort of learning how to do all this mm-hmm. and asking questions about it and he's explaining yeah, it's like an RPG creator. I can like control mm-hmm. your hair, what you remember I can control the climate in here I can do all this stuff and you know, all these questions and then when he starts describing that this you know place was only designed for 10 humans and he could be in trouble and if these su- colleagues or supervisors find out it could lead to some bad stuff Nora realizes oh wait yeah it's uh you know it's just a second artist she's the problem because she's not really meant mm-hmm. to be here she's like this superfluous character 
Yeah. And uh, basically, it kind of implies that maybe they may have to get rid of her. And would you believe it? This character is listening to all this. She's overhearing it all and is in shock yeah. uh, at it. Um, and that leads to the big thing at the end of the issue where once they leave this control room, she goes up and starts messing with it and starts mm-hmm. giving everyone their memories back. And one of the big revelations of this issue is that he, Walter had already erased memories from before they came here. And it mm-hmm. turns out that every single one of them helped make part of this place in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it turns out Nora, uh, when she remembers at the end, we hear what she remembers. She's like, wait, I helped you design those controls. I, I helped mm-hmm. that. And Walter freaks out because he's like, shit, what have you done? Because yep. people are remembering things. Because when the other character starts messing with the controls and gives everyone our memory, their memories back, a lot of the other characters in the, the house start getting headaches. Like, obviously, things are starting to come back to them. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, this is way more control of them than I thought Walter had. Yeah. Right? Uh, I thought there was a lot more free will going on, but when he's talking about their, you know, he their memories, how long it takes them to, to resurrect mm. and all of that, I was like, oh, my God, what what is Walter? You know? Like... Is he like a demigod? Is he like an alien? Like, is he an extra dimensional? Like, this is this got a lot more serious than I thought. I, I was just excited because the the idea of like effectively opening the uh, the hornet's nest, which is giving mm-hmm. everyone their memories back. Uh, I thought that was really exciting, uh, and especially mm-hmm. this idea that all of them in some way helped him build this mm-hmm. without realizing that's what they were doing. Uh, and then he's erased all of these memories of them helping that is really fascinating to me. Um, and obviously the other side of it is that because, uh, the characters messing with the controls and we've got these, there's a couple of the idiot characters like, oh, shoot me, shoot me. And they're like, sort of like, you know, healing from the bullet wounds. Eventually one of the women says, okay, fine. I'm curious as a doctor, which notably the the healer of the group is the one at the end of the issue, seemingly is shot, killed, and dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least heavily injured, but I think she's dead. And it seems yeah. to be because they take this shot right after the control's been changed that stops the healing happening. And right. I don't know if that can be reversed after the fact. It, like, yeah. c- can Walter's device bring her back after she's been killed when that's been turned off? Or is that just her dead now? Yeah, I don't know. Well, and it seems that each of them were meant to play a role too, right? So we get to that page where it explains what they all do. You know, and it's not the terms that we had seen that were on like, the cover, you know. Um, so, so yeah, the fact that now that we're going to have two artists and no doctor, I'm sure is going to get Walter into trouble, right? Like, you know, uh, so, whew. Well, big, he, big reveals in this one. Yeah, I think he was already in trouble. He was just hiding it as best as he could up mm-hmm. until now. Um, right. So, no, I, I am fascinated by, uh, like... Because clearly this sort of, you know, we get we get another glimpse in this issue of this, like, future where things have all went to shit, and it's like, it's like, they're still in this area, in this biome, wherever it is, yeah. but it's, like, post-apocalyptic, and they're all older. Yeah. Clearly, this seems like the start of the, the dominoes falling towards that future to me, right. because right. now they're all going to know, and what are they going to try and do to Walter? Uh, are they trapped in here, and Walter's dead in the future? Is that what it is? Or is there some kind of, like, pro-Walter group versus an anti-Walter group? Because some of them... Because... I'm not necessarily saying Nora's siding with him, but it does kind of feel like as they're getting towards the end of the issue, before she gets her memory back at least, it does kind of feel like she's mm-hmm. trying to help solve the problems with them and starting to right. be a part of the, the well, decision-making. Yeah, because Walter's still her, like, friend, right? 
she doesn't see Walter as this alien creature that's conducting an experiment. It's like, well, no, my friend needs help. Um, and yeah, I also reading this like with what we know about Tynan, I I see this as this is how his creative process works. And this was kind of to me, this was the the one piece that kind of solidified that. Because he's in control of all of these characters, what they do, what they, you know, and I can kind of see a little bit of Tynan in Walter, you know. Um, and so if you look at it through that lens and and how the story kind of has to come together and these other people being, whether it's the readers or his editors or whoever, you know, it, there needs to be an outcome. That they, so it's kind of that Cabin in the Woods vibe, right? The, the old gods are kind of the viewers. Uh and all of that. So uh, I think that's an interesting way to look through this. Um, yeah, through a meta lens rather than mm-hmm. uh, anything literal. Right. Now, I love the moment, though, where he says maybe the way to fix this is to just reset everyone back to the start and remove the second artist. And like her reaction you know, to hearing this is mm-hmm. is amazing. Like It's a kind yeah. of this... Because it's so horrific and no one would know. No one would even know that she was missing or gone. Uh, so it just it feels truly demonic but it's that it's the, it's the very next page where Walter says thank you and Nora hugs him um, well he hugs her but then she sort of says yeah almost like well she's kind of still obviously trepidatious about the whole thing it does kind of feel like there is still some of that friendship there and that mm-hmm. maybe she is still feeling that bond in some weird way even though she knows about all this maybe him opening up and telling her all this is like making it feel a bit more real and making it feel like oh in some way we are still friends even if Mm-hmm. you know all of this uh so no nah, it's really great stuff so yeah at the end uh i do believe it's the doctor who uh yeah. goes up and is getting shot and we just that final page which is the gunshot um where the gunshot like the, the blam reverses uh uh-huh. you know and and you know on the, in the panel uh yeah. to read backwards and then you just hear them go naya naya mm-hmm. and then it says to be continued it's the perfect kind of like oh shit ending of like just you get the sense of you, you pull out to the wide, you don't see it happen. You just see the gunshot, the you know, the, the sound of it, mm-hmm. and just the, the tranquil surroundings as like the panic is clearly setting in. Perfect, perfectly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously the art's great for Martinez has been, yeah, has been great. I, I guess it works as a bookend. Then the start of the issue yeah. is introducing the Doctor and her relationship because you know she had, mm-hmm. her husband is one of the other people right. so. That makes the ending harder hitting because he's right. the one that even convinces her, hey, you should do it. And right. she goes up and t- gets the shot. So it's kind of a hard hitting uh, moment. So, yeah, no. Uh, excellent now, issue, though. So happy to have yeah, it back. And now you look back and it seems like the memories are, are scratchy and like shattered. Yeah. And, well, and that's because yeah. he's watching it on a phone. This is a, a phone recording that he's watching. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, because it's in the future. It's, it's the That's older right. version of the husband who's watching on the phone, and then the battery oh, dies. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, it, it, it oh, kind of yeah. almost sets you up for the ending that she's going to die. Oh, jeez, right I didn't even make that connection at the end. Yeah. With with that, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's an human target back in the same week. I don't know what we did to deserve this no. embarrassment of riches, but yeah here we are so mm-hmm. yeah what are you giving nicest in the lake issue 10 i'm gonna give this an 8.5 i think 
I think the ending worked so well and the way it bookended. I'm I'm going to go with a nine. I think it was excellent. Okay. So, uh, good week for comics is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much. Uh, so that'll take me on to a Patreon book every month on patreoncom TV where you can support the podcast and help keep it coming. Should you wish, uh, you can one of the higher tiers make myself or Connor read a book. Connor will get around to them someday. He promises he will. Uh, but uh, I am here today to talk about American Vampire issue thirty. Uh, we're in the, the the arc right now where Dracula's been introduced. Uh, the end of the last issue was uh, the kid, um, you know, Felicia, the one Felicia's uh, looking after, um, attacked Hobbs. So he he became under control. I I I assumed it was because he was even though he'd been cured, there was still a link to his vampirism mm-hmm. from when he was younger. Um, this issue seems to imply that it's more like Dracula's trying to make him his new Renfield. That at any point he can make one human his slave and his, like, devoted person. Um, and they even have a cool little explanation for why it's Renfield. Like, it, the, the old myth is that he would take control of someone from the end of the field, and that's how it became the name Renfield, and that's where the, the name ah. comes from. Okay. I don't know. It, it, was, it was a neat little trick they tried yeah. to put in, but... Well, because I remember, don't they talk about how Bram Stoker, that's how he was, he was part of, like, the, the Vampire Hunter Society? And his version of Dracula was kind of him trying to tell the world that vampires exist. Why? I, I, this was a bit, something two issues ago, Matt. Why are you asking me this in this issue? I'm just wondering, because <laughs> I feel like I remember that. I, I talked about all. how Bram Stoker fit in when Hobbes explained yeah. it two gotcha. issues ago. I'm, I might have missed that episode. That one might have been what I was going on. Uh, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, we start off with the kid trying to kill Hobbes, uh, and they, they subdue him. Uh, obviously, Felicia comes in. And it cuts ahead to them traveling in central Germany. They're looking for somewhere. And some of the mythology comes back in here. Hobbes explains that, you know, not all vampires are inherently pure evil. They, they, you know, the, the Carpathians, which are the main, like, monstrous ones that are in the book, they are evil, and those are the ones that are monstrous. Uh, and they actually went out of their way to kill most of the other kinds that came before them and uh, that tried to spirit up after them. Um... And this plays out as we see, like, wolves attack a sheep, and then, uh, or sorry, a deer, rather, not a, sh- a sheep. Uh, and then, you know, a tiger's watching from a distance. The idea that there's always something more vicious. Um, yep. But, you know, they, they go out, and they're basically, it turns out they're looking for some of these other vampires that could maybe help, um, who obviously aren't thrilled to see them. Meanwhile, we see the Russians who are pissed off that Dracula's gaining more power, and they're threatening his Renfield, Mr. Glass, <laughs> about it. Um... And it seems like they're going to they're going to kill Dracula. They've been ordered that if at any point Dracula is gaining more power or if anything goes wrong, they should just kill him. So they're going to try and kill him. But we see like Dracula waking up in the coffin and his red eyes, uh, and Mister Glass does not seem worried at all. Uh, but as we're seeing this, it seems like Dracula is waking up a bunch of vampires on a train somewhere, and this train's just full of vampires. And at this point in the issue, you're like you don't really have a context for where this train is. Becomes relevant by the end. Uh, so we have Hobbs and Felicia. They do encounter some of these vampires who do attack them at first. There's a bit of a fight, uh, but eventually there's kind of a stalemate that, that forms and we actually have a conversation with them. So we have this sort of red-headed vampire lady and this sort of guy with a beard uh, and ponytail. And what's cool is they seem to have like camouflage uh, abilities because like one of them because when they're in vampire form they're kind of more demonic you know because th- th- they're an older species mm-hmm. and one of them is kind of like 
goes transparent with the wall, like they can do like sort of chameleon style stuff, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, they're obviously there to talk about Dracula and again help. Um, these vampires are referred to as the first. They're a group of vampires. There's only about a hundred of them left all over the world, um, but uh, they need their help. Um, so Hobbes is there to try and influence them to to do so. Uh, and they're not getting very far. They're kind of beating up Hobbes a little bit uh, when uh, the kid, uh, you know, Gus, I think his name is, starts yelling and screaming like something's wrong. And that's when we realize that this train of vampires is a train that's traveling nearby. And all these vampires, the big cliffhanger at the end, is they've, they've killed all the humans that were on the train and they are now walking into this area that they're in with these first vampires. So Dracula's sending an army to try and take them out, uh, or possibly steal the kid. Uh, would be even wild, I guess. Um, so, no, really good stuff. Um, I, I think, uh, like, I've been digging this arc a lot, and I think this might be the least exciting of the bunch, but I still really like how it sets up more mythology stuff. It, it keeps adding on to this mythology and the idea of the different species of vampire and how each of them sort of fit together and how some of them try to wipe out the others. And... This idea that there's some that maybe can be allies. Obviously, we've had Peril, who's obviously been a good vampire in the past, mm-hmm. but the idea that Hobbes does see certain groups as potentially uh, allies, because it's really the Carpathians that they've mostly been hunting. Obviously, they, they log and they hunt some other kinds occasionally, but this is really opened up the idea, hey, there's other vampires who may actually want to like fight against Dracula. And part of the reasons why Dracula tried to wipe out these races is because he can't control them. He can control the Carpathians. That's the that's the mm-hmm. race that he can control like it's nothing. But he can't control these other kinds, which is why he sees them as dangerous. So really cool mythology stuff uh, being added up here. Um, and really enjoyed the uh, kind of the, the build to all these vampires on the train coming for them. I like how they set that up halfway through the issue. And clearly the Russians are in over their head, or the Soviets, I should say, mm-hmm. are in over their heads. And we'll see how that probably comes up against them uh-huh. uh, next issue. I suspect yeah, Dracula is going to feed on all of them, but we'll see. Well, yeah, and, and he, Dracula can only control the Carpathians, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Skinner's an American, so I, yep. I I can't wait to see them bump heads. That's true. There's not even been a hint of Skinner in this arc so no. far, but you're just waiting. You're waiting for just him waiting. to rear his head. Because yeah. he's, he's not going to take someone coming onto his territory very lately, regardless of who it is. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, I, Seems like someone's here. I don't remember the, the the end of this arc, but I do wonder if like they even turn to Skinner because Skinner may actually want to like you know take out Dracula. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a, you know an uneasy alliance, if you if yeah. you will. Uh, you said this have. is this is from um, Volume Five because I might have to revisit this. Yeah, this is Volume Five. Yeah, this is okay. thirty from Volume Five. I have that sitting over there. I might I might pre-read these before we record next uh, and get recaught up. Right. So I remembered everything up till survival of the fittest, and then it kind of gets easy. Yeah, that's the, that's so, the end of the third trade, survival of the fittest. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, everything after that gets a little bit hazy, so we'll see. Yeah, volume five is this arc, and also the second mini, which was, I can't remember yeah. the title of that was off the top of my head, but okay. uh, but no, cool stuff. Um, really digging it. Uh, one of my favorite arcs of the book so far, I think. Um, and because volume four's arcs were, were fine you know i like the uh mm-hmm. you know the, the the black vampire in the small town mm-hmm. the jazz stuff like that was a good little arc but the beast in the cave stuff and oh that may have been volume three but so you know like there has been there has been a couple of weaker arcs 
you know, the stuff in the fifties with the, the slick, you know, the slick greaser teenage vampire, mm-hmm. or the vampire hunter, I should say. He he was, you know, that was again fun. Uh, this feels like it's back to pure mythology, though, which has always been the biggest strength, I think, of American Vampire is this building mm-hmm. of all the how it fits all these different types of vampires. It's almost like Snyder was taking vampires and also werewolves and zombies, which yeah. they're also kind of classed as types of vampire in this. Right. But taking just all these different vampires from different movies and TV shows and books that he likes and somehow making them all fit or versions of them all fit in the same universe. That's the biggest strength of this book. So getting back to like really fleshing that out with the, the biggest, most well-known vampire there is, Dracula, and fitting him into all that is really cool. So uh, yeah, a solid 8 out of 10 this issue, I think. So good stuff. But yeah. That'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, uh, top five books. So, um, Matt, what was your top moment or panel of the week? All right. So, it's going to be from Action Comics, and it's mm-hmm. when, uh, right after Superman saves the kids and they offer him the Flash Dog. Uh, very quintessential Superman moment. And it made me smile. Yeah, not shocked. Not shocked. Uh Oh, I'm spoiled for choice this week because uh, yep. Action's got a couple things that I could pick. Uh, Human Target's got some. Nice House and the Lake's got some. Uh, spoiled for choice. I-, I think ultimately, though, I'm also going to go for Action, but I'm going to go for the last page. I'm going to go for the, uh, you know, the you know, go away or whatever uh, Metallo puts on the, the screen um, mm-hmm. and Lex manipulating them. I actually got really excited by that tease. Uh, it really hyped me up for the story. So I'm going to pick that, uh, even in the face of very tough competition. Uh, cover of the week, um, I had a quick glance uh, earlier. Uh, I do like the Gary Frank cover for Sergeant Rock. I do like both covers uh, for Human Target. But uh, I think my pick is actually the regular cover for Action. Um, okay. It's this great painted cover. I mean, Superman's face, they're definitely going for this sort of bulky, sort of George Reeves-style face. But yeah. I do love that you get a sense of the fabric of the suit and you get this sense of everything. I mean, don't worry, I love the, the two covers for uh, Human Target because you've got, obviously, the main Smallwood cover and you've got a Matina variant, which is, you know, obviously stunning as well. Uh, but, no, main, co- main action cover, which is good because the variant for action is horrible. Which one? If you if it's the sort of digital painted one, but the faces look like Superman's face looks weird. It's the uh, there's Nathan Zerdy cover. I think it looks awful. Yeah. So in in the small, it looks fine, but when you make it look bigger, yeah, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, the faces look weird. Uh, yeah. But yeah, main action cover for me. What's your cover of the week? Oh, it's the main human target cover. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw King tweet that like a week and a half ago, I was like, this is my jam. She's like a femme fatale. This looks like an old pulp novel cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the green with the reds and the, or the orange yellows, it, it just, it looks perfect. Yeah. So cool. All right. Uh, art of the week. What are you picking? Smallwood human target. I mean, yeah, as good as Federici is, as good as uh, Alvaro Martinez Bueno is, I have to also agree Human Target Smallwood gets the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so top five books of the week, Matt, go. <laughs> all right, number one is Human Target. Two is Action Comics. Three is Nice House on the Lake. Four is Tech. And five is DC vs. Vampires. <sighs> yeah, this is a tough week. Uh, my number one is Action Comics. 
My number mm-hmm. two is Nicest and Elite. My number three is Human Target, and that's that is such a strong top three. I guess it's, 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 it's not unfair to the rest of the books at that point. Uh, my number four though would be uh, DC versus Vampires. I guess number five would be Detective. I think so. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's that's my top five. So yeah, excellent week, excellent week for comics. Uh, I will tell you what is coming out next week from DC Comics right now. Uh, so coming next week, we have Batman issue 128. We have Dark Crisis and Infinite Earths issue 5. Poison Ivy issue 5. Dark Crisis, the Deadly Green issue 1, which is a one-shot tying into mm-hmm. things. Uh, we got Sword of Azrael issue 3. Gotham City year 1 issue 1. Very excited to check that out. Yep. Uh, we have The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, which I'm also probably going to check out. Uh, this obviously is the Rosenberg series that they've been teasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have a look. Uh, Monkey Prince issue 7, Multiversity 18 Justice issue 5, Black Adam the Justice Society Files Doctor Fate issue 1, Batman Nightwatch issue 2, and Mad Magazine issue uh, 28. So that's all the DC books. But also worth mentioning that we are going to be doing a non-DC book uh, next week, um, which I should uh, point out if I can just... Uh... Why is Dark Horse so down this list mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go uh so yeah dark horse book that we're doing next week is night of the ghoul issue one and that is a scott snyder and uh frank avilla book uh so you know we'll, we'll we'll be cycling the odd little book here or there uh that's non-dc and that is the first one we're covering so it's a horror book obviously so perfect for october um and we'll be looking at that next week uh i mean i assume connor will join in but i'll definitely be reading it and talking about it mm-hmm. So it is Snyder. He doesn't seem to have the harsh uh, like he does with Tom King. So no, he likes Snyder usually. I think. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, Francesco Francavilla on the art and Scott Snyder rain. So we'll be looking at that next week as well. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, what's coming next week. So uh, yeah, just a reminder: next week it'll be myself and Connor, and then mm-hmm. the week after it's a Q and A episode. So by the tenth of October, make sure you get your questions in uh, on at DC Comics Podcast on Twitter. Or you can use the email mftvquestions at gmail.com to send in your questions. But give us plenty of them so we can record a nice fun little episode uh, to keep you to tide you over uh, when there's no regular episode the week after next week. And then uh, we'll, you know, catch up uh, the following week. So uh, that is the that is the plan. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much uh, for joining us. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Born Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, you can, of course, support all the content over at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv um, and get some bonuses, including early access to the show at the $5 tier if you would like to get it a little bit early. Uh, but go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, you can also support the show for free by simply liking, subscribing, dinging the bell, sharing us out on the social medias, uh, rating the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, give us five stars and a review. Uh, just generally spread the word, but... All of that is uh, good stuff. So thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. It's spooky season. Spooky season.